Welcome back to The Key, Inside Higher Ed's news and analysis podcast. I'm Doug Letterman, editor and co-founder of Inside Higher Ed and host of The Key most of the time. Today, though, we have a special episode from our new limited series, Voices of Student Success. Student success is a growing priority for many institutions as leaders grapple with public doubt about the value of higher education, a looming demographic enrollment decline, and historically high levels of mental health issues among Gen Z learners. In this six-episode series, host Ashley Malreader explores some of the solutions and innovations that institutions are employing to help their students succeed in college and beyond. Before we turn it over to Ashley, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Inside Track. This episode is brought to you by Inside Track, the nonprofit leader in student success coaching for more than 20 years. Inside Track uses the power of coaching to support individuals in achieving their educational and career goals, transforming lives and institutions while creating social change. Learn more about this important work at insidetrack.org slash the key. Hello, and welcome to Voices of Student Success, Inside Higher Ed's newest podcast on student retention, engagement, and graduation strategies. I'm your host, Ashley Mowreter, student success reporter for Inside Higher Ed. Thanks for joining us today for our inaugural podcast episode. This podcast is a companion to our student success newsletter, which offers ideas and inspiration for higher education practitioners looking to impact students' academic lives, college experiences, health and wellness, and lives after graduation. Over the next six episodes, I'll be sitting down with guests from a variety of institutions and roles to learn more about the issues their students face and the ways leaders are looking to support them. This episode, I spoke with Adelie Duron, the inaugural director of the Latinx Resource Center at the University of California, Irvine, to learn more about the center, her work, and how it fits into the institutional mission to better support students. Here's Adelie. Well, Adelie, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited um, to be able to be sharing what UCI is doing with, with the universe of higher education. Yeah, wonderful. I guess just to start off, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? What is your role at UCI and what does that encompass? Sure. So uh, once again, my name is Adelie Duron. I use pronouns she and ella. I'm the director of the Latinx Resource Center. And so my role is really um, helping students build community on campus, right? It's everything that's outside of the classroom. So our center focuses on empowering the Chicanx and Latinx community and raising awareness for social, political, economic, historical, and cultural realities of the Chicanx and Latinx communities, really in order to broaden our access and increase retention and really ensure that clear path to graduation. And so we do just an array of programming workshops, really focusing on really the intersectional identities. That's really what we've been focused on um, in these beginning years. So we're a new center on the campus. We started in 2019, but didn't physically open due to the pandemic until fall of 2021, but had been doing virtual work um, throughout the pandemic. Um, So yeah, so we've been focusing on our indigenous communities, on the intersectionality of our queer communities, um, of our Afro-Latinos. Um, and so really just trying to bring students out and and have them recognize that, that we're here. And I know that not every student even knows that we're here yet. We are a campus of, uh, you know, over 30,000. So it's hard for every single student to even, you know, become aware of every resource available on campus. 
Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned intersectionality, and I know that is so huge in diversity and inclusion work, right? Students are not a monolith. They do not belong to only one group. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to find those intersectionalities within the Latinx community and how you um, honor and appreciate students' identities? Yeah, I mean, and it's hard because like even our, our the title of our center, right, is the Latinx Resource Center, which is a monolith. Mm-hmm. It's a word that our students chose. And so that's why that's the name of the center. But I know with kind of our older communities, our alums, they they don't identify with that word, right? It's the word of, of this generation. And even the words are changing, right, in terms of right now, what we're really seeing is, is people using Chicane and Latine. And so, and that's more in line linguistically with, with the Spanish language. And so, so what we're really doing in terms of the intersectionality is, um, you know, we're we're having programs like next quarter, we're going to be having a program on the language, like indigenous languages. And so bringing out indigenous students and it's it is a small population. It's not a large population, um, but it, but it's an opportunity for students to feel seen and heard. And so it will be kind of a language exchange of, of the indigenous languages coming from most, I think, mostly Mexico um, right now. But uh, so that's one way that we're doing it, have a program program called Q Rants. And so that's for our queer students. And it's really just an open discussion. Every session, our intern is leading a topic and really being able to just create community with the students and, and have an open, just kind of identifying presence. Um, and so that's kind of how, that's some of the program that, I mean, that we've been doing that relates back to intersectionality. Yeah, that's wonderful. You mentioned the name of the center and how students chose that. How do you see students lead in the Latinx Resource Center and where do you see their role in um, giving these resources to their peers or being the ones to advocate for themselves for resources? Yeah, so it was really the the start of the center came from student advocacy. Um, and we're actually located on the campus in a suite called RISE, and it stands for Rooted in Student Empowerment. And it's because each of these centers that are here are because of student advocacy. Um, so students advocated, they did a petition, they met with administrators. Ultimately, that led to a class that was, you know, there was normally a kind of a Latino leadership seminar that was run every winter quarter at that time. And then through that class, they basically changed the syllabus and the curriculum to talk about what would a center look like on this campus. So students, so other students did research um, that were outside of the student committee. And then that's really where between this class and a student committee, or a proposal for for the center. So it was always with the idea that we were going to honor the work that students had been doing. On this campus, students have led many of our campus-wide programming. So for over 30 years, we've had a Nuestra Graduación, which is Raza, which is formerly known as Raza Grad. And we've had La Bienvenida, which is a welcome event. And then a newer program that started maybe about five to seven years ago called La Despedida, which is kind of the goodbye event. So these are three, I would say, signature programs that have been student run for many years. And so as part of the transition to the LRC, the students essentially, at the time there was an organization that was kind of serving as the umbrella at the time to host some of these organ- some of those programs. And so the students essentially gave me La Bienvenida to continue kind of the legacy and the affiliates program. So, you know, in terms of we have a, a program called Mesa Unida, which is the student leaders of all of, of all the student Chicanx and Latinx student organizations. So it's it's through their work that we're able to really do what we want to do and, and, and really see their vision through. Within our center specifically, we also have interns. 
So we have a group of interns. Then we have a wellness intern, a cutie BIPOC intern, uh, indigenous programs intern, community programs intern. And so with their internship positions, it's there's things that they're responsible for, but there's also room for creativity. So we give it, we kind of have them come up with ideas on how they want their programming to look that year, what topics they want to cover, and then we help guide them. Maybe we know a speaker based on something they want to do, or they do research on speakers. And so together we work to make their their vision of that program, that workshop a reality. And so we kind of let them lead what our programming looks like every year. That's awesome. We know it's so important to have those near peer mentors, right? Role models and people for students to look up to. And also just to give them that professional development opportunity, right? To mm-hmm. lead programming and network with you and other speakers. That's that's really wonderful. I'm glad that you offer that. Yeah. When it comes to student success, right? We see graduation, persistence as some of those large metrics, but where does cultural competency lie in those services? And where do you see a need for culturally responsive services for students? When I think about the need, I think about... You know, so we're we're a Hispanic serving institution, right? And so our campus is at currently our undergraduate population is at twenty six point two percent Hispanic, and our graduate students is at fourteen point four percent. And so, you know, twenty years ago when I was a student, right? We I was because I, I was a student here as well. It was you know like twelve percent. Right. So for me, this number just seems exponentially larger and students should, in in my opinion, right, should feel the community should see themselves. But the reality is the demographics of California has changed so much that many of our students, because we have a high first generation population as well, they're coming from communities where 80 percent or 90 percent of their peers in their high schools um, or in their middle schools were of the Chicano, Latino, Hispanic population. Right. That is who they saw every day. And so when they're coming to this campus, they're still seeing a culture shock, right? Even though I'm like, but this 25%, don't you see more? And, And they don't, they don't because they're comparing it to what they saw in high school. And so I think that it's really important for them to see that community, to see that the campus is doing work, yeah. you know, even if they're not always come, you know, sometimes we hear them like, yeah, I see your emails. I see what you're doing is great. Sorry, I haven't come to anything, mm. you know, so sometimes, so there's some of that. I think just the feeling of, of knowing that the campus is doing something um, is important for feeling kind of integrated into the campus. And for students to really feel part of their community is I think they have to learn about about themselves. And so that's kind of what, you know, yes, we have the major, we have Chicano Latino studies as a major, and, and we obviously encourage students to do the major if that's where they want to do their academics. And likewise, the department encourages them to attend our programs and, and sends them information about mm-hmm. our programs. So I think there's opportunities for students to learn different things from each of the communities. And then the other thing is that we're also trying to do work that is also intersectional of our eth- ethnic identities, right? So that it's not very Mexican centric, Mexican-American centric. So we try and bring speakers from different ethnicities as well. And I think that adds to that competency of our students and really getting a breath of what that means for them. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, Something else I wanted to talk about is the Latinx focused resources. You have a Latinx resource database. Can you talk about what that is and sort of where that came from? 
Yeah. So we have this wonderful collaboration called the UCI-OC Alliance for a Latinx Thriving University. And so this alliance is, is there are 30 to 40 business leaders in the Orange County community who want to help and serve students in different ways and really find ways, find those whole, what is the campus not doing? How can we help improve the campus or how can we serve as mentors and, and guide more students to make sure that they're graduating and that they're getting to that to their careers? And so one of the things that bore fruit out of that alliance was this Latinx resource guide. And so with the help of staff and the alliance members really putting together, you know, we had an old list that was a printed list, but ever since that was printed, so much has happened on this campus that we have over 140 resources listed on this website. All of those resources in order to be on this list have to be serving 50% or more Latinos. Um, so what that means is that it's not just resources serving our students, it's resources serving the community as well. So our K through 12 outreach, our, or actually really our, our the K through 14th outreach um, because we're serving the community college system as well. What we're doing really is it's, it's just a simple database that leads people to other to the main website for that organization, but it puts all of the resources that we're offering in one in one space. And a lot of these programs aren't necessarily, you know, when you think, oh, they're serving 50% or more Latinos, it's because Latino or Hispanic or Chicanos in the title. No, it's not because of that. It's it just happens that whatever that program is that's maybe meant to serve first generation or um, underrepresented students, then our student population, our Hispanic is, is gravitating toward these programs. Also with our K through 12 outreach, right? They're they're serving Title I schools. And so that's that's the target population in California that that's who it's hitting in those schools. Yeah, that's great. How have you seen students respond or use that resource? What have you heard or what metrics do you look at to see how that, well that's working for them? Yeah, so uh, so it was I was launched last year, and so uh, I think one of the things that we're really looking at is increasing the marketing of the of, of the resource guide, and so I'm really hoping this will help um, right. because the other part of it is not is not just for students to see it, but also for community members to see it, right? So if we have folks in in Santa Ana, which is a, a neighboring city, and Anaheim, right? What what are things that they could be doing to to find resources on the campus? And so we're really hoping to reach kind of the large larger population of what resources, what research initiatives are happening also in the community um, and how can they get involved or get get access to those resources. And so in terms of the metrics, I think right now, whenever we do like outreach events, so when we go to large like festivals in the community or we have our fairs here on campus, that's when we see the spikes in, in people accessing the database and then and using it. Um, the beauty of the database is also is if they are a UCI affiliated person it registers their net ID and so they can say favorites. So then that way they don't have to keep looking, right? They can go back um, to, to the database and look at their favorites. Um, if someone in the community is using it, if they're on the same browser, same thing, they can still say favorites and it'll say, be saved because they're on the same browser. Wow, that's awesome. It seems like it would be a really great guide, right? Whenever you need it, 24-7, just able to access and find exactly what you need for a community that looks like you. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, well, you've mentioned a lot of great programs and initiatives at UCI. Is there anything that you're looking forward to or something that my listeners should keep a lookout for that's coming in the near future? Our, I mean, our big programming that we do on our campus is... It, it, because I'm, I'm student focused, right? So it's right. mostly for students. So we have a big program called the Latino Excellent 
Achievement Dinner. And it's one of a kind in the UC system. And it's actually geared toward graduate students. So that's another kind of niche population, right, that are, that many student affairs offices aren't, you know, it's always seen as an undergraduate resource, right? But our goal is to also be serving the graduate students. So what this a graduate, this is also came from a graduate student at the time for advocacy of realizing that the graduate student numbers, right, our campus is Hispanic serving, we're 25% at the undergraduate level, but at that time, we were like 9% at the graduate level. Mm. So really wanting to say how, you know, where are the students, how, you know, everyone's in small cohorts, how do we find them? And so what this did is it allowed for the university to recognize graduate students within their school. So every school nominates one graduate student um, to receive an award that year and it's for graduate student excellence sometimes focused specifically on research if it's the MBAs focused on leadership and so each student receives an award it allows for we invite undergraduates to also attend the dinner and see where where students are leading we market it on social media so you'll see it on our Instagram um, this event happens in April every year on um, the first week of April um, and what we were able to do the third year of the program really is add a stipend fellowship. So each graduate student receives a $1,000 fellowship stipend. We Because staff became heavily involved because this was kind of like a committee, right? Yeah. A committee that came together to support the student in her vision of what she wanted to do. We also have a couple staff and alumni and community builder awards kind of because we didn't have another formal celebration. But but the focus is on the graduate students and their excellence. And, and, and we believe that this program has allowed for the schools to see right where their diversity lied within the community uh, because if we look at 2016 if it was nine percent and now we're at 14 percent that's a very small I think window to have gone up that many percentage points and so we think that this program has really helped in increasing the enrollment of the Hispanic and, and Chicano Latinx um, student population at the graduate level. Yeah that's super cool. Adelie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. It was wonderful hearing more about you and your work at UCI. And I hope to hear more about this grad program in the future. And a very big thank you to our listeners for joining us today for the first episode of Voices of Student Success. I'll be back in two weeks to discuss academic success and how faculty can play a role in students' academic outcomes through inclusive course design. That's all for this episode. I'm Ashley Marweeder, and I'll see you real soon. Thanks for listening to this episode, sponsored by Inside Track, providing coaching solutions tailored to every stage of the student journey. Inside Track coaching is proven to improve student enrollment, persistence, and completion. Learn how you can unlock the power of coaching to advance your learners toward their goals at insidetrack.org/slash the key.